Wake up, America, before it's too late. The Steve Day Show. And greetings. Happy Thursday. Welcome to the Steve Day Show here live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. That would be me. I am Steve Dace. He is Todd Erzin, and he is Aaron McIntyre, and we have uh, a jam-packed show for you today. Uh, We are going to talk at the bottom of this hour. Again, we've been working on setting up this interview for literally weeks. Had no idea the serendipitous, if not providential, timing for this subject matter, but we are going to discuss the satanic with a former Satanist, actually. A former Satanist turned spirit-filled believer and he's going to pierce the veil for us although i don't know how much more of that we need i mean just another shrimp on the bobby i mean i, I, mean, I got up this morning two of the first three things i saw on twitter as i'm getting updated I know, it was brutal two of the first three things i see are Canadian state television or public television in canada uh doing a drag queen story time hour and is it, I think it was Norway or the Netherlands, yep. um, uh, just having adults get naked in front of 10 to 12-year-old kids. And I'm like, at this point, man, we need to make imprecatory prayer great again. Because when I want to talk about making America great again, screw that noise. We don't need to save this country. We need to defeat it. Uh, we need to make imprecatory prayer great again. That's what we need to do. All right. This is stuff that literally there should be curses called down upon the enemies of God, this kind of heinous, just wickedness. I don't know how else to describe it. And we will talk to someone who knows a thing or two about it coming up at the bottom of the hour. Next hour, um, we will have three non-political questions. Aaron has let go of the rope. He has given up officially. Correct. (laughs) Officially. I mean, he gave up unofficially. That's why I threw that in at the end. And I love how he just broke it. It's a correct. (laughs) <laughs> just no, no other Let's word. Make no bones about this just, here. Yes, crawled off of responsibility onto your daughter. I did, or you did. Yes, I mean uh, it was his idea. First of all, he came to me and said, "Hey, can we put your kid in the show more?" And I thought about it. Well, of course we can, you know, but we need a good reason why. Um, no matter how talented she is, so Anastasia, because Aaron is all out of questions. He's done. He's tapped out. He's let go of the rope. Anastasia is now taking over three non-political questions. And that'll debut uh, next hour uh, on the show at the f- during the final segment. And, of course, we'll continue uh, what will likely be the final study we'll ever do of a nefarious plot because it's just hitting way too close to home. And we're getting towards uh, the climax of the book anyway as we head towards the release of the film it inspired, which, by the way, I have to tell you, there is an industry um, research website that uh, does metrics and um, a, a lot of data for the movie for the motion picture industry and it's called the numbers and they use a lot of different data points to measure what are the top 25 most anticipated movies that are being released in theaters with no time limit you know is it like a, in the next few weeks or the next few months no time. If there's a confirmed release date that the movie's coming out, then like the Flash doesn't come out till June. I mean, the, the Flash comes out mid June. That's two and a half months from now. You know. And some release dates are months and months in Correct. advance. Are they not? Yep. So there is no. So that's a big thing because you're wanting to know 
I mean, well, if within what period of time are we measuring here? Like in the last, the movies are coming out next week, in the next month. There is no limit on this. It's just ter- films that have confirmed release dates. And um, what have they measured in terms of online interest, traffic, ticket sales, inquiries, etc.? And they update this like every 24 hours. Okay. At the beginning of this week, we were not even in this ranking. So today's Thursday. On Monday, we were not even in this ranking. Here are, according to this industry website, the 25 most anticipated movies of the last 24 hours. Number one, the Super Mario Brothers movie. Number two, Asteroid City. Number three, 1001. Uh, Number four, The Little Mermaid. Number five, Spinning Gold. Number six, Trolls. Getting the band back together. There's a Trolls. And by the way, this movie doesn't come out until October. Its release date is October 12th, and it's trending number six on here. That's If you're an investor in the Trolls band, to get, getting the band back together, Trolls sequel, let me congratulate you early. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> you're going to have a very nice Christmas. You might have several. In fact, all of the rest of your Christmases will probably be good. And so let me, uh, on behalf of your children, uh, thank you as well. Uh, Santa will be very good to them this and ensuing years. If your movie doesn't come out until October and you're number six on this list, my goodness. Number seven, you guys, this might be my most anticipated movie of the year. Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. You know how much I loved the original. I think it might be the best animated film that's ever been made. All right. That film comes out on May 31. We're getting some pretty high cotton here. These are some very lucrative franchises, right? Yeah. Number eight. Nefarious. Top ten. Number, Is that good? Number eight. Is that good? It, it's number eight on this list. Number eight. By the way, number nine, The Flash. Wow. See, you buried the lead. That's that's the story right there. And behind us are all the other movies being released the week of April 15th. The Pope's Exorcist is 11th. Renfield is 12th. You want to talk about dumb marketing decisions. Let me take one of the most powerful and popular characters in the history of Western literature, Dracula, make a movie about him and not put him in the title. I I just can't even. James Gunn's next Superman movie will be called Jimmy Olsen. What the hell is this? What a stupid marketing tactic that was. I mean, I'd call it Dracula's assistant, Dracula's flunky. I'd have found some way to put Dracula in the title. Why would you do that? But I digress. Air, which is a movie I'm looking forward to seeing here, um, about the, uh, the launch of the Air Jordan line of Nikes is number 13. That comes out April 5th. Mafia Mama comes out the same week we do. Guardians of the Galaxy is only 19th on this list, which may explain why they just came out with a third trailer. Marvel may be a little concerned Uh that the tracking on that is not what they had hoped. And uh, I don't even know what to say about this, man. I mean, this is nuts. This is, and here's the thing you guys need to know. We have so far spent maybe 15% of our marketing budget. If you've been watching the NSA tournament, that Renfield movie is like almost in half the commercial breaks. We have, we have spent maybe 15%. The other 85% of it all kicks in starting Monday for the final two weeks. We're spending millions of dollars in marketing the final two weeks leading up to release. We've spent almost nothing. Nothing. This has all been done by you. 
This has all been done by your interest. And you know what kind of reminds me of, Todd? Now, we didn't know it was going to be a number one book, but it kind of reminds me a little bit of this flurry of activity that we were saying leading up to the release of Fauci and Bargain. Yeah. That kind of reminds me a little bit of that. Well, that book came out in the midst of the chaos of COVID when gas, all you got was gaslighting on a daily basis. Uh, well, this movie is coming out in the chaos of uh, Aaron just previewed today, the obvious he, and it, indirectly alluding to what you say in your Twitter feed, but he says, we're going to need an exorcist to serve us after uh, tomorrow's um, what Lord uh, Nefarious said. Mm-hmm. This movie is not coming out because you per, you picked it to come out in the midst of what this tranny madness and assassination just just took place in Nashville of Christians. The prophetic timing, the providential timing of what is happening right here and what happened with that book is why all this data is nice. But even when certain things didn't look so nice a week ago. Mm-hmm. Take the wheel, God. I mean, this thing is his, and amen to that. Amen. Amen. I mean, this has just been, it's its incredible. I mean, and I just got to note, we've, we, we've spent, I think, like 800 bucks, maybe $1,000 on social media advertising for the trailer. <laughs> That's so fun. And, That's and, nothing. And we have 8.3 million views of our trailer yeah. just in just as a result of the money we have spent. That's not counting, you know... Individual sites, picking the trailer, sharing it, anything of that nature. We got 8.3 million mm-hmm. views for about, yeah. for maybe $1,000 of the, of what we paid to, you know, pump up the algorithm on our behalf. That's what we got. This, this is what, when Steve talks about ours is to be faithful, outcomes are for God. This is exactly what it means. Just be faithful in hard times and easy times. Good times. Just be faithful. And then let God do what he does. And Steve, just yesterday or today, you were talking about Romans 1 judgment. When you're not faithful... That's what you get. Speaking of Romans 1 judgment, here's Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by Canary in the Coal Mine. China and Brazil have reportedly struck a deal to ditch the U.S. dollar in favor of their own currencies and trade transactions. The deal will enable China and Brazil to carry out trade and financial transactions directly, exchanging yuan for rias or vice versa, rather than first converting their currencies to the U.S. dollar. China is Brazil's largest trading partner, accounting for more than a fifth of all imports followed by the United States. Of course, this deal will likely save both China and Brazil money by not having to use the dollar, but it could be a harbinger of the dollar's strength internationally. The Manhattan grand jury examining Donald Trump's alleged role in a hush money payment to a porn star isn't expected to hear evidence in the case for the next month largely due to a so-called previously scheduled hiatus. The break would push any indictment of the former president to late April at the earliest. GOP presidential candidate Vivek Ramaswamy has made it now two weeks in a row, specifically targeting another politician who isn't even in the race yet, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. I get to the heart of is, who do we actually want as our next president? And I'm now more convinced than ever that it cannot be a career politician, a professional politician that is beholden to the donor class, that tries to pull the strings and make the best laid plans to actually do the right thing politically without just having the courage to do what's actually right as a leader and as a human being. 
And to me, I gotta be honest, I find it irritating that Ron DeSantis will play this charade, play this game of hiring someone to run his super PAC, but without declaring for president, so that you can then coordinate with the super PAC, which you can't do after you actually run for president. It's just an example of another plastic politician who's beholden to his donor masters. Yeah, literally none of that is an accurate characterization of DeSantis's tenure, but you do you, Vivek. And now this, a bevy of authorities ranging from law enforcement in Madison, Wisconsin, all the way up to the Department of Justice, have finally tracked down one of the men involved in the firebombing of the headquarters of Wisconsin Family Action, a pro-life and pro-family lobbying group. The facility was firebombed with a Molotov cocktail in early May of last year, about a week after the opinion in the Dobbs decision that would later overturn Roe was leaked. Investigators were able to find a few DNA specimens at the scene of the fire and were able to link this graffiti left on the side of the building which says, if abortions aren't safe, you aren't either, to another piece of graffiti left at a protest at the Wisconsin State Capitol earlier this year. Investigators were able to figure out who created that graffiti, and when that person left a half-eaten burrito in a dumpster in Madison, they were able to match that person's DNA to the DNA left at the scene of the firebombing. Radindu Sankar Radachari was arrested at Boston Logan International Airport earlier this week, having purchased a one-way ticket to Guatemala. He was a former doctoral student and graduate researcher at the University of Wisconsin. He's been charged with one count of attempting to cause damage by means of fire or an explosive and faces up to 20 years in federal prison. Just days after the domestic terror attack on a Christian school by a mentally ill woman who thought she was a man, Congresswoman Catherine Clark of Massachusetts took to the House floor to extol the virtues of the mental illness known as transgenderism. Rise in honor of trans voices that deserve to be heard, not silenced, and not criminalized. I rise in honor of trans joy that deserves to be celebrated, not eradicated. I rise with unconditional love for my trans daughter, Riley, and I rise in solidarity with every trans American seeking nothing less than their inalienable right to the pursuit of happiness. By the way, Congresswoman Clark's own son thinks he's a woman and was charged earlier this year with assault on a police officer in Boston. Also in the halls of the U.S. House yesterday, we got a rare look at what the gun debate really is. It's not really a debate. It's just unmitigated, unchanneled emotion on one side, and in this case, a prime opportunity to distract from the fact that a trainee murdered children. Here's Congressman Jamal Brown and Thomas Massey. We're not here. I worked in the school for 20 years. I worked in the school 20 years. I was a teacher. I was a school counselor. And here's this from the Daily Signal. The state of Nevada rejected a higher number of mail-in ballots in the 2022 election than the final vote margin that decided a close Senate race last year. That's according to analysis obtained by the Daily Signal. 
The Public Interest Legal Foundation, a conservative election watchdog group, found that 8,036 ballots were rejected. Democrat incumbent Senator Catherine Cortez Masto defeated Republican challenger Adam Laxalt by 7,928 votes. So 108 more votes were rejected than the final tally that separated the two candidates. The analysis also found that 95,556 ballots, almost 5% of those listed on the state's active voter lists, were sent to undeliverable addresses. You can read more from that exclusive bombshell report at the Daily Signal. And finally, explaining socialism to a Cuban. Hey, I'm Brett. He, him. Hola. Hola. Yeah, that's cultural appropriation. <laughs> that ain't it, Chief. Really? Isn't Chief cultural appropriation too? And secondly, uh, I'm from Cuba. <laughs> that's awesome. I love your sandwiches. You know, it, it is pretty sad that those Cubans don't really appreciate the great social programs they've got. Am I right, Chief? I mean, um, man, person, Cuba person. Great social programs? What are you talking about? Well, you know, like take health care, for instance. Yes, we had health care, but it mostly consists of us rubbing dirt in our wounds. But my grandmother was able to build this pretty cool wheelchair out of an old washing machine. You must be mistaken. I learned all about Cuba's excellent social programs in college. Is that right? How long have you been in college? Half a semester. So yeah, I'm pretty much an expert on socialism. You can watch that entire hilarious video on the Babylon Bee's YouTube channels, and that's what happened while we were away. Alright, let's get, let's get to the montage, and let's talk about Vivek Ramaswamy for a moment. Okay. Either this is the absolute dumbest campaign strategy of all time. Talk to me. Okay. And we have seen a lot of dumb. So that could be it. That could be it. This is the absolute dumbest campaign strategy of all time. Attacking people who aren't in the race and ignoring the people who are. I, I just, it's a dumb strategy. It's absolutely a dumb strategy. It does, especially, you can make at least a case that Trump doing it because the polls show that DeSantis, who is his only real challenger, and we can all debate to what degree you think that he really is one. There is no, what is the reason for Vivek Ramaswamy doing it? Not to mention, dude, who the hell are you? While Ron DeSantis was serving in Gitmo, what the hell were you doing, dude? Everything that you talk about, ESG and woke capitalism and everything else, who the hell's done more about that than Ron DeSantis has the last few years? He punched Disney in the throat. You wrote a book, dude. You wrote a book. Who the hell are you? At this point, I'm hoping you cut a deal with the Trump team because I can respect that. That I can respect. I mean, hate the game, not the player. We all got to make a buck. I'm 39 years old. You know, there's no obvious heir to the Trump political empire. Maybe I can weasel my way in there. The Trump, there's a portion of the Trump base that clearly doesn't care about your non-Christian religious beliefs because they all rallied around Trump saying, I never asked God for forgiveness. Well, I'm a Hindu, so they won't hold that against me. I, I can, all of those things I could completely understand and actually wouldn't complain about any of them. But if we're talking about you want disclosure, maybe you need to be honest with us that that's what you're doing, dude. Because if this is an earnest campaign strategy, it's stupid. If it's a strategy to ingratiate yourself to Donald Trump and try to inherit his network because he's 
pushing 80 and not buying green bananas, totally get it. Makes perfect sense. And this is actually a smart play. But if it's to try to win the nomination in 2024, this is about as dumb as it absolutely gets. So those are your two options. Dumb or the first time Ron DeSantis pivots to Donald Trump in a 2024 GOP primary debate, Vivek Ramaswamy jumps in front of the fire, okay, to take the bullet for Cheeto Jesus. Which one do you think it is? It's one of the two. There's, there is no other option. There is no other option because this is dumb. All I know, in a very fast period of time, his campaign is starting to look like she who cannot be named. Like, we actually thought Kamala was going to be serious at the beginning. And yes. then, like, after a matter of weeks, it's like, what is this? Now, I've spent some time around this guy. I know he ain't Kamala. He's actually smart. Well, he's that's got, why I, he's that's why I don't think it. That's why I don't think, it's a, I don't think it's dumb. I don't. I think a deal's been cut. And, and they called and contacted us. I'll just tell him that right to his face. I don't care. I think a deal has been cut here. Absolutely, a deal's been cut. I don't, because I, I, I can't believe the guy I spent two hours with on a wintry night in Iowa is so dumb. Um, I mean, you have no record. You've done nothing. The other guy actually has a record. You're actually, you're actually, by doing this, you're playing to his strength. Let me show you my record of the stuff I've actually done on the things you only wrote books about. The last few years. Sit down, kid. I, I just, it makes no sense at all. You either None. die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. It took him like two weeks. Yeah. Was, nice job. I, I just, it makes no sense to me on any level at all. I just, I don't get the strategy. I think it has no integrity on any level. There's nothing smart about it at all. It doesn't do anything at all. I mean, I, there would be, there, you're behind, way behind. And people, a lot of people don't even know you, how to pronounce your name. Can I, think, I can think of a great way for people to get to know you. Go after the, guys in, the guy in, that's actually in the race who's the, the perceived front runner and has 10,000% name ID. Never does that, though. Weird. Let's get to the grand jury thing. How do I put this? I absolutely believe... They were going to indict Donald Trump. All of the mechanisms were put in place to make that happen. I absolutely believe that. And it was rumored in their own media, in left media, for about two weeks before Donald Trump said anything about it, that this was coming down soon. Correct. Correct. I absolutely believe they were going to do this. From barricades to everything else, I think they were absolutely going to do this. I think what happened is he blew it up. Conservative media helped him blow it up. They, they pressured them successfully into having to interview an exculpatory witness. It's a, is it Michael Cohen's former attorney, I want to say, or something like that is who it was? Something like that. And, um, and, and now, and this is why they're on a hiatus. Hey, we'll just let this go. There's such a threat to the republic. And we're going to postpone this. What would you say it was for a month, Aaron? A month. It was, yeah. it was a previously scheduled hi- hiatus because... Yeah, yeah sure it was. Trump is Thanks. Hitler, but I got, yeah. you know, something to do. Yeah, what, somebody's on the line for some white walls. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Calling BS on that, too. All right. That's a complete lie. And it, it's what I said a week ago 
when we got to like Wednesday or Thursday and nothing happened last week, they are clearly this this prosecutor is clearly gauging what is the least lethal to my future political prospects, indicting Donald Trump and getting my ass kicked in court or not indicting him and memory holding him, just acting like nothing ever happened and moving on. Or maybe, or, or I just delay it, delay it, delay it, wait to see if he gets the nomination. If he does, like a month before the election in October of 24, I, then the indictment comes down, something along those lines, right? You know, mm-hmm. just to see if I can turn off, you know, another one or two points of uh, soft-headed suburban voters around the country, you know, to swing an election, something like that. That, that is what's being gauged here. Nothing more, nothing less. Give Trump and his team credit for blowing this up. I also have no issue at all. And I said this the very day. I have no issue at all with them trying to raise money off of this. None. None at all. It's smart. There is there is there a grand jury? Yes. Have 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 they shown much restraint in going after him or lying about him or prosecuting him and his family in the past few years? No. No. So you have you know, Donald Trump doesn't need permission to embellish many things, okay? But on this one, man, he's got pretty wide latitude. Yeah. Don't you think the Overton window's like, it's like not even, there's not even like a screen on the window. Like no. the window's shattered. It's just like a, it's like a, it's like, it's like a gaping void. It's a wind a, tunnel. Yeah, it's a gaping void in a home, similar to, you know, what a lot of their doctors want to do to your children between their legs. Just a gaping void. So you've got pretty a wide latitude at this point. He can almost claim anything. And there might be some, ju- some, some justice for believing any of it is true. So I have no problem with him raising money off at all. I'll be fascinated to see how well he raised money off of it. Because he's been struggling to raise money. So if you can't raise money off of this, you know, the, the best thing on the right is to raise money off of I'm being persecuted or targeted. Our people respond to that more than anything else. They absolutely rally for our folks when they know they've been unfairly targeted or persecuted by the other side. So if you can't raise and print money off of this, I mean, then you got to start asking yourself, you know, ultimately people vote with their pocketbooks, you know, but we'll have that conversation later when the FEC reports come out about how much they raised. So I, I absolutely believe they were going to arrest him and planned on it. I absolutely believe that they so blew this up that they have cornered that DA and now they're trying to figure out how to get out of this or, or, or do, is there a way to proceed that we don't get our pants pulled down? That's what I think is going on right now. But that brings us to the DeSantis angle on this because I still believe he could have and should have given a stronger statement about this last week. But what is it, 10, 11 days since he spoke? It was a week ago Monday, right? Yeah, so All it's right? been about 10 days. And now we know that this thing's on an indefinite hi- hiatus at least for a month, okay? Yep. I don't know, man. You guys tell me. It, it, could, if, if you're the DeSantis team, could you just turn this around? Could you claim a win here? Yeah, we didn't believe it. Oh, I yeah. mean, Trump's in Oklahoma. He was in Oklahoma at the re- NCAA wrestling championships. Wasn't even in Florida. Okay, he was in yeah. Oklahoma that weekend. Um, his attorney said, hey, we'll go to New York and turn ourselves in. Well, if he's going to go to New York and turn himself I, in, I, I mean, I, there, I, I'm, I've got nothing to be asked to, to extradite. He went there voluntarily. Okay, so could you make a case that by, and, and if this does go down, I do think he's going to have to give a stronger statement than what he gave a week ago Monday. But the way that this is all played out, if you're on his team, don't you probably think, 
that this wasn't an earnest attempt, hey, protect Florida's highest profile citizen. This was an earnest attempt to try to cynically ding him politically when they were already making arrangements on the side anyway, according to his attorney, to turn himself in. So the whole point of this conversation was pointless. He could and he might, but he might not for the same reasons he didn't uh, do it. Uh, like we talked about one week ago, and it's what you've said uh, without giving away any details, but you've talked about uh, with us off the air about just like who he is and how he rolls. He, this may in both cases, maybe he may give it lip service, but he's like, I'm doing a great and mighty work over here. He's full on uh, Old Testament. He's full I, I on do Nehemiah, he, I, and he I, just I, doesn't care. I do think having Rod, uh, what's his what's his nuts uh, uh, the guy they did the FBI raid on his home oh, Roger, Stone. Uh, Roger Stone. Stone having Roger Stone file an ethics campaign silly ethics complaint against him and then 48 hours you turn around and ask me to step in front of the, the a bullet for you yeah. I think that was absolutely butthurt when he brought up the hush money to the porn star I absolutely believe that's what it was but that and I and I thought that was kind of out of bounds frankly but that notwithstanding it appears both of these men actually played this right on my money it appears now the way thing that what we know now like, we'll wait and see what trump's fundraising number is i mean wait, raising a million and a half ain't, ain't a lot that's not a lot that's what they raised the first few days after you know he went live with this when we'll see but depending on how much money they raised trump and his team they played this perfectly they even got desantis to respond to them they raised we'll see how much money they raised they probably beat back what this prosecutor wanted to do they got their own witness to testify at the grand jury oh, well. and then the way this turned out desantis can spin it as i didn't give a weak answer at all i just waited till actual i i didn't i don't overreact to stuff like he does i waited till the actual information came in and now here we are sitting here and nothing happened so what was I going to do? I, I wonder if you could say that both these guys played this thing pretty well. Yeah. For their respective parts that they want to play in this, in this, you know, morality play yeah, that we're having here. Which guy's more consistent at that? We'll see. That's why we have primaries. And I'm totally fine watching them compete with one another and push each other to be that guy. I don't see how we lose either way. More in a moment. Well, you might be looking at things and considering the possibility things are going to hell in a handbasket and you would not necessarily be paranoid. Doesn't mean they will, but it might not be the worst idea to be prepared just in case you're right. Contract our, or contact our friends over at My Patriot Supply if that's you. Uh, get hooked up with their three-month emergency food kit. That's breakfast, lunch, dinner, even drinks and snacks. The full complement of 2,000 plus calories per day that you need. Uh, and you'll get that. For $200 off of each kit and free shipping and free shipping. When you go to MyPatriotSupply.com, that's MyPatriotSupply.com. These kits stay good for well over 20 years with proper storage. They'll be delivered to you discreetly. So if you don't want the neighbors to know you're one of those types, you can keep it on the down low. Who knows, these days you might want to go full bring out your dead and let them know. I, I don't know. But anyway, MyPatriotSupply.com is where you want to go. Free shipping and $200 off each of their three-month emergency food kits at MyPatriotSupply.com. Name of the book, Fire Prayers, Building Arsenals That Destroy Satanic Kingdoms. Very subtle. But this is not a... 
day and age. That's a joke, by the way. Uh, this is not a day and age for subtlety, given the things that we are witnessing out in the open, which I, I believe is full-blown spiritual warfare that has broken out from the unseen realm into the scene. I think that's absolutely what we are seeing. John Ramirez is the author. He's our guest here today on the Steve Day Show. It's good to meet you, John. Thank you very much for joining uh, us, man. Bless, How are you? Blessing, blessing. Thank you so much. I love your introduction. <laughs> well, thank you. Hopefully you'll love the conversation itself. I want to start with your background. Mm-hmm. Tell us who John Ramirez is. Well, I'll tell you who, who he was, B.C., before Christ. Is that okay? Mm-hmm. You bet. I, I was a satanic devil worshiper in the highest round of the satanic kingdom of the shadows of the demonic, doing witchcraft to region, controlling atmospheres and regions, and putting witchcraft in, uh, in different areas, regions. Uh, I had a satanic uh, 25 years of devil worshiping for 25 years of my life. Started at the age of seven and a half, all the way to the age of 35. I had a demonic wedding on Halloween. The warlocks and witches came to baptize my wedding. Um, at the time, uh, I came, I had an encounter with Christ. I died in my apartment in 1999, went to hell, met Jesus, and came back into my body and became a believer in Christ and exposing the days of darkness from politics, witchcraft, the seance, the rituals, the ceremonies, the dedications that do from politics, from Hollywood, uh, all the way down to our backyard. I mean, the devil is at work and he's working overtime. So I am a vessel of honor today for Jesus Christ and exposing every demonic activity that the devil is doing and how the devil is infiltrating the family today and dismantling and fragmenting us like, like no tomorrow. And where's the church? Hmm. I want to go. I want to talk more about your past from two angles. I want to get in a minute. I want to get to how pervasive what you described you were involved in truly is you think in our society. But first, let's let's make it more parochial. Just your story. How do you how do you get involved in something like this? Right. No, no one. No one starts at kindergarten and says, hey, by the time I'm in the third grade, I want to, you know, get involved in the demonic and the occult. No one does that. Right. And so how does that happen? What, what doors have to be opened? What what do you have to affirm and say yes to who opened those doors, by the way? How well, did you, you get know. to where you were? And, and yeah, absolutely. I, 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 you know, it's always, it's like the person that does drugs, they have to have a point of reference where they start doing drugs before they become a drug addict, an alcoholic. Same thing with the witchcraft world. For my life, for it's basically my father was a warlock. Uh, we practiced witchcraft from the, uh, from uh, Puerto Rico. Uh, we, we immigrated to New York City. When my, when my parents came into New York City, I was one years old. And, it, you know, it, it becomes a cultural thing in our relationship with Satan. It becomes a culture, become a religious thing, whether you Hispanic, whether you are, you know, from from the islands. Uh, it, it just become culture. You start practicing, you start doing ceremonies, you start uh, de- dealing with uh, demonic demons. They call themselves protective spirits. That's what they name themselves. So they camouflage themselves. They camouflage who they are, their real identity. And you start making packs and contracts and demons. And it's just a culture thing. My grandmother practiced it. My mother practiced it. My, mo- my, my father practiced it. And before you know, we all intertwine into the occult practices. My practice was from New York City to Cuba, from Cuba to Miami, from Miami to Haiti and back to New York City. So everything that the devil introduces to the people that practice, they call it the religion, Santeria, spiritualism, Palomanumbe, mm-hmm. you know, what 
you know, even even when you're a Buddhist, even when you are um, Muslim, right? Even when you're a Christian, right? Oh, my mother was a pastor. My grandmother was a pastor. My father was a pastor. I'm a Christian. I'm an evangelist. It, it run down that bloodline of Christianity. We all become like... Uh, we all become followers of Jesus Christ. Same thing with the demonic, the opposite side. What they do, whether you're Buddhist, uh, you're Muslim, or you're in the occult called the religion, we 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 are engrafted in it to the for the simple fact that it's just the devil knows how to introduce things into culture that becomes attractive, becomes religious, and we buy into it. Did these people, and did you know? From the from the beginning, this was satanic deception, and maybe they thought they were just in practicing an alternative form of a pagan religion, or was it out in the open the entire time that this was satanic in origin? How does that work? Well, this is how they this is how they dress it up, right? You, the devil wears different suits, right? So they said this is white magic, this is black magic. We use white magic to protect ourselves, to advance ourselves to be productive with ourselves, to have better jobs, or we can get into politics through white magic. We can do witchcraft and get into Hollywood through white magic. We can do witchcraft and get a better promotion, become CEOs through white magic and rituals and ceremony. And we got black magic. We only use black magic to protect ourselves, to defend ourselves, and, and to fight against the enemy. This is how they introduce it. So it becomes very, very, very... Uh, seducing and it becomes very convincing and then when you fall into it that you know that you now you're engrafted in it now the true colors start to come out mm -hmm. and then the fear the fear factors start coming out if you leave you die if you if you leave your family die and then you start seeing other people that try and leave and you see demonic deaths come over over them and you see these demonic sickness come over them and they die and then now there's fear in the camp no one wants to leave did you get deep enough, John, that you yourself or heard others literally calling on Lucifer, literally calling on Satan directly? Oh, yeah. I, I, I will sit with the devil all night long, have a conversation with him. I feel the appearance of him showing up in my apartment. We'll sit, have a conversation. I got I got scars here, here. I got scars here. When I sold my soul to the devil, I got, I got scars here. I got the cross upside down here. That they, they had to do this ceremony called Palamayumbe. In my skull, I got the cross upside down. Where they do, they put an axe. My back got scars. My leg got scars uh, where I bled and signed a contract with the devil at 12 midnight, so I can uh, sell my soul to the devil at uh, at the ritual 17 people came to sell their soul to the devil that night. And I was the only one that got engrafted in the arm here for the 21 rules of the dark side of the highest level of the occult. How pervasive is this? Is a reality. I mean, it's it's there. I mean, it, it, we we see it everywhere, right? I mean, think about it, right? I mean, they don't hide it anymore. We Disney's doing it. Disney guy Harry Potter's doing it. They're all introducing the witchcraft from one level or another to children, to people, uh, uh, to to opportunities in 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 whether it's politics, Hollywood. Uh, it, it's all there. I mean, even it's 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 just become the norm, you know. And people say, oh, we can practice witchcraft. We can do this. We can do sales. We can do rituals. We can do ceremony. We can do contract with demons. It is all fine. We're still going to heaven because God knows. And God is God knows I'm only human. How many people get out? Listen, I tell you right now, I, I went to funerals that people die. 
and there was one funeral, there was a young lady that she died, and uh, actually, she went to the doctor, she did all kind of examinations, she even did the ACE test, I remember just years ago, she did the ACE test, she came out clean, and all that stuff, and when she died, uh, they did the autopsy and find out she was full-blown ACE, and the doctor couldn't detect it because the devil hit it from the doctor so she can die premature death. And uh, I've seen, I seen funerals of people died tragic car accidents out of nowhere, unexplainable because the devil plays for keeps. Did you run into people of prominence when you were involved in this for that many years? Like, well, did you yeah. run into people that, you know, the mm-hmm. average listener to us right now would know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I, I was in the, in the contract. I was in the same occult practices in the same realms of people like Jennifer Lopez, Mark Anthony. I know Jay-Z, uh, Jay-Z and, and Beyonce, these people, Illuminati's. I, I know the occult practices. I know the patterns and cycles of how the occult operate, works, function, and it, it is displayed and uh, the way they dress it up. I know that for, I've been there for 25 years. I know uh, I, I, I know the people that uh, India, she was a very famous singer, Tito Puente, famous singer. They were all in the occult, uh, Gloria Stefan, all in the occult and the fact that the Santeria, uh, Santeria means, Santeria means worship of saints. That's how they dress it up. But it's truly worship of demons, which are principalities. Were these people aware of this? Of course they are. They are. I mean, listen, I, I mean, it, it, when you want fame, you pay, you wanted to sign anything on the dotted line. When you want to be in politics, you want to give you, I mean, I, I'm, I, I call it the way it is. You wanted to give up your grandma to be in politics. It, it is, it is the, 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 the seduction of power and greed that comes into the person that they know that they need something to get to the next level in order in order to be uh you know one of the things i share and i just want to share this is i know these if you look at the realms of these people they are influencers and this is what the devil wants you to be influencers whether the jay-z jennifer lopez mark anthony influencers right because the devil and this is i know this because the devil the reason he was able to convince a third of the angels to fight against heaven was because he was an influencer. Have you named names like this before? Uh, all the time. I, I have they, have I anybody been threatened, threatened to sue you or uh, anything like that? Uh, no? No, not at all, because I'm telling the truth. We could sit down and I can have a conversation with all of them. I can expose them. They, A to Z, their religion, they co-practice it, their ritual, their ceremonies. We could sit down on any show and I can expose every every aspect of their religion, of their cult, because I was there, done that, and they got the T-shirt. No, no this, uh, same thing I told Madeline Manson. How many times I invited Madeline Manson for her to have an In-N-Out burger with me? So, we, you know, you can hang out and talk to me. I can expose your story, too, because bottom line, Madeline Manson hangs out with Justin Bieber and Kanye West because, you know, these are, Luke, these are Christians that are lukewarm. But he don't want to sit down and hang out with me. Matter of fact, Madeline Manson had a girlfriend that I did deliverance on the phone years ago. She got set free. Her seven-year-old boy got free. He, she packed up the bags and left his house when he was on concert. You mentioned deliverance. So now you are on the front line. You were on the front lines of this on one team. Now you're on the front lines of this on another team. Yeah, it's like I was, I was playing for the Mets, and I'm playing for the Yankees. Something like that. <laughs> Something like that. A little higher stakes, but yeah. Just, uh, just, just kidding. I'm a, I, I'm a New Yorker fan, so no matter what we inform, so it's just a joke. I know. No, it's all good. One, one, one thing I want to say, one thing I, I, I say, uh, I'm in the front line. I have this thing now that I'm, I'm creating a website with some people down in Tampa. It's called Battle Cry. 
And Battlecry is a website that I, I have people all over the world and, and also in the States, all over the States and all over international, how to take back the atmosphere and how to take back the regions from demonic forces that are operating so we can take our country back. If you don't deal with the spiritual and you don't destroy the spiritual, you never see the good stuff in the natural. Let's get really practical before we have to let you go and run out of time. Somebody's listening okay. right now. Lots of families are listening, concerned. My kid's going to get caught up in the gender cult, the rainbow cult, the woke cult, etc. Okay, what are what are signs that a parent should be looking for? Um, to on whether we're going through phases, teenage rebellion that we all went through, or something really seriously spiritual is going on. You know, the Bible. The Bible is the manual for humanity. And the Bible speaks about the eye gate, ear gate, and mouth gate. It is an important thing. Those are portals and gateway that the enemy knows how to infiltrate the mind of the person. And we understand that whatever you watch on television, whatever you're entertained on TV, wherever you listen to the graphics of the music that you listen to, the, the, the idea of uh, how the devil seduces the generation today. You're okay to uh, be homosexual, you're okay. There's songs that say you could kiss a girl. And these songs are made, they are... They are made for the culture of today, so it can be engrafted in your life today. So you could be, the more you listen to it, the more norm it becomes. I get whatever you watch on TV, uh, soft porn movies, or whatever you watch on television, it opens you up to ideas, or even video games. Children are watching, you know, killings and shootings and video games. That projects something in your mind that the devil has to see, to cultivate, and make it a, a reality in someone's life. It's hmm. witchcraft, manipulation, control. And I know this because I know when I did witchcraft to people and I put witchcraft on people, I knew I had to deal with the mind, I had to fragment the soul, I had to fragment the person. I needed to look at generation of curses in the bloodline, the blueprint of the bloodline, if they were alcoholic, if there was homosexuality in the family, or there was uh, drug addictions in the family. I knew how to do witchcraft on the levels to seduce the family or seduce the person to fall back into their bloodline because I knew how to deal with the generation of curses in that person bloodline. When I was hired to do witchcraft on people when I was living on the other side. I've got about a minute left. I'm going to leave it. I'm going to give it to you. Say anything you want to say yeah. in the last minute. What would you, how would you like to end this? Minute, you know, I like to end it. You know, people don't panic. Don't, don't, don't fret not. Jesus is Lord. He's sitting on the throne. It's not where you start, it's where you finish. You need, you need to, you need to know that the devil is real, but God is more real. And I think, you know, fire prayer is a book that you can pray. There's awesome prayers there that you can pray, break stronghold, break bondages, break generation of curses, break any demonic sin, any besetting sin. You can break the patterns and cycles of repeating your life. Listen, I had a high school diploma. I didn't have nothing. I pray for my daughter, broke the curse. My daughter has a bachelor's degree in psychology. Prayer works. Incredible. Thank you, John. It's been a pleasure, man. We'll do it again sometime, all right? All right. God bless you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Name of the book, by the way, Fire Prayers, Building Arsenals That Destroy Satanic Kingdoms, from John Ramirez, who himself was a, was a Satanist. Thoughts on that conversation? Remember in Scripture when Pharisees used to say, hey, wait, after Jesus did something, something... Hey, weren't you the guy who? Yeah. C.S. Lewis also used to talk about, you know, in looking out at the universe, it's different investigating ourselves versus the cosmos that we have inside information about. We're in us, so we can, we, it's a different kind of experiment. And so even if this sounds weird, 
A, thank God you haven't had to deal with this on his yep. level, and B, listen closely yes. because he has inside information. Praise God that it still sounds weird to you. This yes. would have sounded weird to me like five, five years, years ago. ago. That's what I was now about to say. Now it's, it's like I feel like I'm like living. This is like my native tongue now, Aaron. Yeah, because I, I mean, five years ago, I would have said, oh, Illuminati, you know, this uh, pagan witchcraft and, uh, and, and things like that and doing rituals. That just seems really cartoonish. But if you reverse engineer some of the upper echelons of the institutions, take Hollywood, for instance, if you reverse engineer, this is, there's an entire industry meant to promote terrible messages and make them sound seductive. Who does that sound like? Yeah. Even if they lose money. They do it anyway, even if it loses money. It's the family films that make the most money every year, right? They do it anyway. All right. Theology Thursday is next. Live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace here alongside Aaron McIntyre, Totters, and in all of you. And all of you can let us know what you think about what we think via the SteveDace.com inbox. Just email the show, Steve at SteveDace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook, MeWe, and Gab. You can follow me at Steve Dace Show on Twitter, Getter, Instagram, and TikTok. You can also find me on Truth Social at Real Steve Dace there, at Real Steve Dace on Truth Social as well. Those of you that listen via the podcast, thank you so much. Please, if you have not done this yet, leave us a five-star review, hit subscribe or follow if that's the option you're offered to make sure that our podcast shows up in your feed each and every time we have a new one. Thank you to all of you that have done those things for us already. We say thank you and appreciate each and every one. This part of the show brought to you by Jace Medical. Before last hour, we talked about making sure you are prepped when it comes to food. Make sure you're prepped when it comes to medicine, as we learned the hard way. My friend Peter McCullough estimates it's as high as 80%. That's similar to, I think, Harvey Rich at Yale University's estimate as well. How many lives that COVID cost us could have been saved if they weren't denied effective early treatments? Venerable, safe drugs, often available over-the-counter or just with a simple prescription. So who knows the next time they'll take those away from us right when we need them the most. Make sure you're prepared right now for such a time as that. Go to jacemedical.com. J, J as in jump at this right this minute. jacemedical.com. jacemedical.com. Get the Jace case of venerable antibiotics, including the getting increasingly more difficult to find amoxicillin. With the promo code DACE, you'll get a discount at checkout at jacemedical.com. Have that peace of mind in your medicine cabinet right now. jacemedical.com, promo code DACE for a discount from jacemedical.com. We have two more weeks left in what is likely going to be the final time, mercifully, we will ever study a nefarious plot because it's just hitting too close to home now with what's going on. Too close. It is home. I'm reading this chapter, and I honestly, it kept coming into my head. This sentence is fulfilled in your hearing. Wow. Yeah. That we. It's not. We. That's we. we even on this show, because we. 
It's hard. We should never say that anymore. Like it's it, it is home. This is the reality. This is where we are parked. That's why it's a hard read. Yeah. Harder than it's ever been before because it's not even one step. It's not even one step away from theoretical. I think the last time we did this was coming off of COVID, the initial lockdowns about two or three years ago. And there was still some of this that you felt like had not yet come to fruition. You're watching this now and it, it, it feels like everything that he is saying here, this character I created is exactly what we are living in right this moment. And there are two chapters left and we have the penultimate one this week as nefarious unveils the final stage of his plan, which he titles defeat. And here is what nefarious wrote when this manuscript was completed in what the summer of 2015 the game isn't quite finished yet but it's definitely over like when a lopsided sporting event still has a few minutes remaining on the clock but the outcome was already determined long ago this is garbage time for america You'll empty your bench, and an overmatched underdog Rudy or two will make a play that draws cheers from the home crowd, but nothing that can alter the final score. It would take, well, a miracle to change course now. Except those are above your pay grade and are strictly the purview of you-know-who, and unfortunately, I'm pretty sure he's got far harsher plans for you at this point, which we'll be discussing later on in the conclusion. For now, though, allow me to explain why the die is cast and in your power as a people, you can't pull back from the brink. Now, that's a key sentence there. In your power, in your power as a people, you can't pull back. In your power. And nor do you even want to, Nefarious says. And then he lays it out like this, and then I'll hand it over to you guys. You are now two distinct and irres- irreconcilable cultures attempting to fly the same flag and claim the same land. On one side is what we will call the traditionalist for the sake of this conversation. These are the people who still want to live by the founding creeds of your country, faith, family, and freedom. They're still bitterly clinging to their guns and their religion. They still think your constitution means something. Theirs is still the majority of you in many places in your culture, but it doesn't matter. On the other side is what we'll call the progressives, since we've referred to them several times prior in this book, and many of you have likely heard this term. As we've already discussed, progressives basically want to undermine the founding creeds of the country and replace them with our way of doing things, Nefaria says, most of which Western civilization rejected long ago. Really, the new progressivism, he writes, is the old paganism. Let me repeat that. Really, the new progressivism is the old paganism. Pagans held widely different views for what constituted sexuality, sexual identity, and overall morality. Western civilization submitted to the moral absolutes found in Judeo-Christian teaching for determining those values. Because they were sexual libertines, pagans claimed to be the ones for freedom. However, the pagan view always has empowered the state to become God or name the gods to be served in order to justify obeying the commands of the one and only true living God. Giving the state godlike powers, and Nefarious puts this in bold, always leads to tyranny, which is why the worst tyrants in human history always operate outside of the Judeo Christian order. I'll stop there. 
I'll let you guys pick up the conversation where you want it to go. Well, I, I, I in reading it again, uh, very glad that you used the term progressive so much. Um, as is in one of the nefarious trailers, nefarious says words are important, but they have meaning. Is that right? Yeah. Names are important. Names are important. They have, they have yes. meaning. Yes. They have power. Yes. They let everyone know who we are. Yes. Well, yeah. progressive. It, it, the, the, the satanic trance that that word, and that's why I called it cancer. We're moving forward. Who doesn't want to move forward? Love moving forward. Forward's the best. Who wants to go back? It was a train. John Ramirez. He talked Depends about. On, are we marching into a, a into a into a yeah. volcano? John what Ramirez are we going forward into? Yes. Talked about the re- white magic. White. That's not black. That's white. It's nice. It's a, the simple ways they get you involved in this. Progressivism absolutely is cancer, and here we are now in this moment. Why is this like the slippery slope? Oh, we're almost like, again. Think think back to movies that were made at least a decade ago, if not more. Think about the Passion of the Christ. How is the devil portrayed? Gender neutral, genderless, that amorphous. Mm-hmm. Okay. Did anybody? I wonder if Mel Gibson had any uh, idea how well, prophetic well, he was. He was actually depicting that at that moment. But was going to turn out to be just like I said with your movie. God saw it and it was good, and he used it. Same with yours. Well, now let's go. Okay, too churchy. Let's okay. Let's go to the movie Three Hundred. All right, the Greeks, foundation of Western civilization. That movie made off a uh, graphic uh, novel. The movie is um, c- kind of comic booky. It's 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 almost like a it's more Marvel than it is like a um, gladiator you know in terms of how it's portrayed but again the persians i was struck by this they they the paganism how is it portrayed unhuman genderless the god king is like meant to be genderless the people are like many of the their warriors are like half man half lobster literally they're that again showing you dehumanizing versus the greeks who don't didn't don't have it perfect but clear male female duties obligations mm-hmm. this is why i say that there's no there's no more room i we still have the comfort we still have the games we can go to we still have all of that stuff but that's part of the illusion we we can't go any further on the slippery slope evil is here it is right now we have arrived at it I, it, it, we have absolutely got to come to terms with that because based on the writing of this chapter, we have Palm Sunday coming up. I just saw it here in Ames, Iowa, home of Iowa State University, 40 minutes north of here. After what just happened in the slaughter of Nashville at a church in Ames, Iowa, they're going to use Palm Sunday to have official trans day of visibility. They're doing it in reaction to Nashville. Didn't Sorry, Madonna like do it, a benefit concert and give the money not to the victims, but to, uh, the, uh, to, the, to the trans see, lobby? No lessons will we learned. So we have to get our Aragorn on on some level. Offer them no mercy because none will be offered to you. What, where would you yet be struck? Isaiah. 
Aaron, Nefarious goes on to write in this chapter, the reason you were unable to defeat our progressives is because you failed to see what progressivism actually is. You rightfully chastise liberal politicians when they won't clearly call evil what it is or refuse to identify violent jihad as Islamic radicalism. Yet almost all of your conservatives made the same mistake with progressivism. And yes, I'm speaking in the past tense here for a reason, because you've already lost the war. Hence, this chapter is titled Defeat. See, progressivism is not a political ideology. It is a religious cult devised to compete for the hearts and minds of the people so as to turn them away from the eternal truths you were founded upon. The reason you can't reason with progressives is the same reason you can't reason with any other cult that comes to your door. Cults don't permit critical thinking nor foster an environment encouraging it. Ever tried reasoning with the cultist at your front door? Ever tried showing them how their cult is a total sham, its claims easily disproven, and its patriarch or patriarchs completely discredited? They just look at you with a blank stare and either shut down or go right back to reciting their spiel. It's almost like they're brainwashed because they are. So when confronting progressivism, there is no eloquent conservative. Listen to this. Listen to this. Listen to this. So when confronting this, there is no eloquent conservative media icon you can anoint brilliantly devised ideological framework you can compose or line of irrefutable argumentation you can master that will change the mind and will of the hardened progressive. They are as committed to their belief as the followers of the carpenter are committed to him. In fact, they see your vehement opposition as reaffirming to their religious fervor, just as a follower of the carpenter sees persecution from the world as comfort that he is following the narrow road. Progressivism is its own theology, and that theology has all the trademarks of a cult. Trust me, I know. I'm a high lord of hell, and that's what we do down here. Create these. This conversation is serving as a, as a perfect bow on the events of this week, how it began, how you started your first monologue of the week, and what has transpired since then. The cult of progressivism, those adherents to that cult have astronomically more courage of conviction than the combined Christian church, Ortho- even orthodox, or even, even those who preach orthodox Christian truths do in this country. This week started your opening monologue on Monday morning was to do with that Nebraska state legislator absolutely going to the mattresses mm-hmm. in favor in favor of the ability of mentally ill young people being able to chemically castrate themselves and have meatball surgery performed upon them. And doing it when she was alone. You're so right, Aaron. She's alone. She's surrounded. She says, but she doesn't care. Yeah. That was the opening monologue this week. Then what happened after that? A mentally ill woman marched into a Christian school in the middle of the Bible Belt and murdered six people, including three children. Including three children. Just a couple, two, three weeks ago, Matt Walsh of the Daily Wire was taking incoming fire from people who agree with him about the scourge of transgenderism, agree with all of his points, but were criticizing him for being too mean 
to the people who want to do meatball surgery, chop the penises and breasts off of young, young men and women, children. Saying that there is a better way to do this. There's a softer tone to be struck. Constantine Keeson, he's a commentator from Britain, totally agrees with Matt Walsh that transgenderism is a mental illness, but he's too mean in the way he characterizes those people who propagate those lies. Brad Palumbo, a libertarian douche, masquerading as a conservative, <laughs> doing the same thing. Those are just two examples I could name more. <laughs> this week ended once and for all, this notion that there is some needle to thread, some feng shui to be had against the spirit of the age. The reason why those people that I just mentioned don't understand this is because they are operating from a fundamentally godless worldview. Correct. This should be the nail in the coffin. There is no tone you can strike. There's no tone you can strike that will ever change the mind of an individual so given over to their sinfulness, perhaps maybe even demonically possessed, that they will think, hey, no, maybe I should not walk into a school and kill nine-year-olds. That is what we are up against, and we are up against this because of what Nefarious says later on in the chapter, and this dovetails perfectly into what Nefarious says. Why are we where we are? Why are we in a position where we have people who agree that we have a, a problem with mental illness, but we're too mean in confronting it? Why are we in the position where we have Nebraska state legislators who are completely surrounded by people who think that it is actually wrong, but press forward nonetheless? Nefarious says, every sinner is treated equally, no matter the gravity and frequency of their sin or station in life. Everyone is given the same chance at redemption, whether rich or poor, petty thief or murderer. They just have to ask for it. But if you don't ask for it, then it doesn't matter how many good deeds you try to perform and make up for your mistakes. You'll spend the rest of your days with my master and his minions, learning just how creatively vicious we can be. How many times do you hear that turn or burn message from your pastors today? How many of them would bristle at it as if it's needlessly offensive? And the more strategic way of reaching the lost is communicating G-D's love while leaving out his wrath. With strategic defined as, what do we say to these plebeians to get them to keep giving us their money? I shouldn't ask provocative questions I already know the answer to, but it's a guilty pleasure of mine. I know even better than you do how few of your pastors truly rely on the power and the integrity of the gospel alone to reach the lost, but instead believe the gospel requires their personal touch in order to keep it, keep it relevant and successful. I know because I helped plant that seed in your church culture and then appealed to the pride and ego of those men to convince them the gospel needed them. Hmm. That you-know-who called them to the ministry precisely because he needed their clever ingenuity to reach a contemporary audience. Do you know why we are where we are? That. And it's not just for the unbelieving world. They need to turn or burn. You're going to hell. Sin is real message. We need it too. Christians need to live paradoxically in this space where we have assurance. Now, I know there would be some disagreement even on this, but we need to know. We have assurance of salvation while simultaneously, simultaneously being aware and kept humble of the fact that sin is debilitating. And what does that mean for our own lives? Even, I would say, in the most orthodox preaching churches in this country, the issue of sin in our own lives, believers' lives, is not adequately addressed. 
And so then we feel compromised. We feel as if we cannot take on those forces. While those same forces, like that Nebraska state legislator, feel emboldened because they don't have to be saddled with all of that. In fact, Romans 1, evil is good, good is evil. That's the paradigm they're working from. Why we are where we are is because the message of sin, its effects, and the consequences, the wages of that sin, are not only not preached to the unbelieving world, they're not preached to us enough, I would wager, Steve. I don't disagree with that. I don't. I, I did a radio interview this morning about Nefarious, and I said, they've heard from all the Hawaiian shirt guys. They heard from all the sweater-vested guys. They heard from all the nice guys. And drew closer to the entrance to the mouth of madness, nevertheless. I, I don't know if they'll listen to the grab him by the throat guy. I don't know. I, I might be too late even for a Jonathan Edwards type of a preacher. Might be too late. Might be too late for a, a Charles Spurgeon and Augustine. Might be too late. I don't know. I do know, though, they haven't heard from that guy in a long time. I know that. They haven't heard from that guy in a long time. So, in the movie version of this, they're going to hear from that guy. And again, maybe it's too late. Maybe they'll laugh. Maybe Nefarious is right. The plan is too embedded now. It's too, using another term, maybe more appropriate, indwelt. Um, only one way to find that out, though. Mm-hmm. Everyone's been, everyone's heard from the softer side of Sears and, and they're not shopping there anymore. And while we were focused on that, here's what Nefarious did. Quote, the hilarious irony to all of this is there really aren't that many progressives in America. Truth be told but we have made sure to strategically place these assets. Thus, they dominate in academia, media, pop culture, the place where most worldviews are made in your country. This gives us the allure that our messaging is being widely bought by the general population, but that isn't true. We don't own much in America, but we do own its gatekeepers. How about that last line again? We don't own much in America, but we do own its gatekeepers. How much more obviously true is that statement now than it was when it was written in the spring and summer of 2015? Yeah. And as it applies to the church... Assuming the, the story I read you about Ames, the picture on it, uh, is that church. It had a rainbow flag, uh, uh, God is still speaking, comma, not period, kind of thing. The, the, these churches, when they say, tell you, meet meet everybody where they're at. Well, you know what? Yeah, there there is not a sin, not a sin. And we know of the horrific ones that can't be forgiven. That is the entire point. Yes. You are welcome as any kind of sinner. 
But you know what isn't welcome in the church? Demons. The Lord cast those out. And we keep welcome demons in. We, we're, we're giving them pulpits. Ask yourself this question. No matter how much orthodoxy you have heard preached from your church's pulpit, no matter how much your church has made it very clear, marriages between a man and a woman, etc. During the summer of 2020, did you belong to a church that enthusiastically and with real conviction took time out from whatever you were doing to make sure everybody knew we're not racists? You know, like it's 1958, okay? We're not racists. This country needs racial reconciliation, racial healing. But then when Roe v. Wade was overturned, in the summer of 2022, two years later, that same church either never mentioned it or grimaced their way through acknowledging it almost as if they had to check a box and they were apologetic. And yeah, it's a good thing, but we hope that, you know, if you disagree with us, that, you know, you won't be offended. Because see, I will tell you, and this is what Nefarious is saying throughout the course of this chapter. There aren't that many churches. Well, there weren't that many in 2015 when this was being published and written that were outwardly, you know, putting rainbow flags up. A lot more are now, Mm -hmm. but I'm going to tell you, I'm sorry, Nefarious is going to tell you why that is. First, you had to have the cowards before you had the heretics. You had to have the cowards before you have the heretics. And so what he is saying here is we really don't have that many churches in the grand scheme of things. And even whole denominations that we've turned over, they're the ones that are all dying. They're the ones whose attendance has all dwindled to almost nothing. Almost no one goes to these places. Okay. And his point is, there's not really within the church that many, because this is still the carpenter's church, as he would put it. He's the protector of it. But the amount of people in your pulpits that we have convinced, either through the passage that Aaron talked about with their own egos, God, you know, this community, just if it wasn't for my specialness and special uniqueness Mm -hmm. and get and cleverness, you know, the gospel just couldn't be preached here in this community. Um, Or they're just soft as men in general and don't like confrontation. The real damage is not done by the open heretic. The real damage is done by the man who stood in the pulpit in the summer of 2020 and and bowed the knee to St. George Floyd, who did not deserve what he received, and yet was still a terrible person anyway. But he's been he, he was he's been sainted and knighted. And so they wanted to make sure that you knew how virtuous they were on the latest cause celeb. And then two years later, same exact time of year when Roe v. Wade is overturned, either didn't say a word or brought it up almost painfully, like they were apologetic that they had to say something about this. That's the guy killing you right there. That one. 
The first guy, the open heretic, aren't that many of those. The other one, he's a legion. Legion. Mm-hmm. Legion. And that's what's killing you. That's what kills us in the political realm. Every time we think we've got the Democrats cornered, Republicans will stab us in the back and sell us out so that we can't actually get a one-on-one punch against these people every time. And it's always the people you vote for every single time. This is one of the reasons why in Dante's Inferno, I believe that he, uh, in his, uh, in, in, in his imagination, wrote that the, the, the ring of hell closest to the devil himself were the traitors, the betrayers, like Judas. That's what's killing us. Right there. And that's why we, the church in America, and really throughout the West, although there's not much of the church in the West, so let's just talk about America. That's why she stones the prophets, proverbially, and shuns those whom God has sent, as Jesus said about Jerusalem in his day. Because the emergence of those who are not willing to bow the knee and will tell the truth shames them. Shames those who won't. Too many of us go to church and Caiaphas is the priest, not Christ. Better for one man to die than for the entire paradigm to perish. Better to silence the men. Better to feminize the men. Better to, get, to, to throw the prophets out who sound crazy and nuts and, and never entertain conversations like we just had with John Ramirez last hour. Better to do that than to do anything that would actually threaten this nice corner lot we've got here in the burbs. That's what, that's a, that's Caiaphas folks. That's not Christ. Caiaphas is here to, to, to protect the temple. He is here to protect the traditions, the nostalgia, the system, the institutions. Christ is here to testify to the truth. The son of man had nowhere to hang his head. He was born in a barn, died alone almost completely deserted by his followers on a wooden beam left to bleed out after being tortured to death. Our paradigm doesn't embrace that. We want to maintain the very system that is our current undoing. And so most of our pulpits, Caiaphas is our priest and not Christ. That essentially sums up this entire chapter. We'll come back. Three non-political questions are next. All right, back here on the Steve Day Show. We mentioned at the top, Aaron has just given up. He has determined he is completely out of questions. No, we said he officially gave oh, up. Officially. He didn't just give yeah, up yeah, that's because true. he yeah. gave up. A I gave time. up a long time. Yeah, he, yeah, because correct. he was often just coming up with them during the commercial break, yes. heading into this segment, actually. Yes. <laughs> All right. So we're going to see how this goes. We have handed this off to somebody new. It's time for three non-political questions. 
We all have questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? Who am I? A search and a question of identity. Why am I here? A question of meaning and purpose. Where am I going? Question of destiny. Some better than others. What sort of morality or proto-morality would you expect to find in a chimpanzee troop? Injecting some levity into the demise of Western civilization. It's three questions on The Steve Day Show. And by Aaron's request, we have a new questioner. You know her. You love her. I've known her longer. I love her more. It is my oldest daughter, Anastasia. Are you prepared for this? I mean, you were kind of being, shall we say, transitioned into this position for the last few weeks anyway, with Aaron hitting you up at the last minute. You have yeah. any ideas for me? <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. I actually wrote them down yesterday before I left work. So he messaged me. And so I already had them down. Anticipating, so. anticipating before we're, he he was going already, to ask you. We're yeah. already doing better than I usually. Do. <laughs> I was walking. I was the bar is low, but I was walking out of the building yesterday, and I said, "Congrats, congrats on your new gig." And she said, "Thanks." And I said, "Why well, are you going to wait like Aaron till 15 minutes before?" She said, "Oh no, I'm already done." See, that's the that's the part of her that is like her mama. All right, I've got I'm prepped. I got a list. I've got a plan. Okay, and it's all done. All right, so um, are you ready to go? Yeah, and I ran these by Aaron, too, to see what he thought, and he liked them, so. Oh, don't, don't Oh, he, that. so he got a heads up. Yeah. I had to do that because of one of the questions. I had to put that in there, Aaron. I'm sorry. We both, we go down together on uh-huh. this one. Okay. okay. All right, go ahead. Okay, so I'll start with my favorite question on here, which I'm curious to see what you guys say. So what is a quality of yours that you hope your children have, and what is one that you hope they don't have? See, I feel like that's a good question. That's a great question. I'm reassuring question. myself as we're going to do this. I'm like, that's really good. <laughs> Is that okay? Is that right? Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, I think that's a great question. Um, I, I hope the quality of mind that each of you kids has is um, a willingness, a, a willingness to stand up for what you believe, regardless of what everyone around you says or does assuming it's right right now hey you might be wrong so i'm not so don't don't refuse to listen when you're challenged by the crowd you may be wrong okay but if you listen and you're like yeah no then i hope the quality you have is a willingness to stand there and not buckle to the crowd i think i would choose that um, in terms of qualities or maybe if it's a, if it's something I possess that I don't want you to embody it, maybe it's not a quality. Um, have more empathy. It's, it's, it's hard for me. I didn't, I wasn't raised in an environment of a lot of empathy. Um, and so I didn't have that really modeled to me to begin with. And now I'm on the front lines of a culture war and I forget sometimes that the, the people that we are opposing here are also made in the image of God. Therefore, by the grace of God, go I. Um, and they're, they're one beckoning from the Holy Spirit away from switching jerseys and being on the right team. I mean, like the guy we talked to last hour, John Ramirez, who spent 25 years as a literal saintist, you know, and I think that is, 
Um, that's always harder as you get older to have that empathy. Um, and so I, I hope that you guys are able to mirror your old man's boldness while at the same time, though, not being as trigger happy as, as he is. Um, that doesn't mean, by the way, don't be the, don't do the opposite and be like, don't refuse to pull the trigger. Okay. Just don't be necessarily always as fast to do it. Maybe is the best way I would describe it. How about you guys? My mind is the exact same in terms of quality. I hope they get, uh, you, you simply as a person of faith cannot fundamentally care what people think of you in pursuit of the truth. It, it, again, don't go out of your way to be a jerk. But listen, our conversation uh, just about um, the church and its failures, a lot of people will call Steve and I jerks only because they're hearing it from us and only us. And when they should be hearing it everywhere else, oh, I don't like your tone, yada, yada. No, things need to be said in this culture and you need uh, to say them uh, uh, with, with boldness and unapologetically. And feelings will be hurt. And that's where deliverance can come from, as with the prodigal son. Sometimes you got to just be swimming in a river of bleep before you figure it out. And somebody needs to put you there, quite frankly. Um, since I uh, have a uh, four daughters, I, I think this will come naturally, but uh, be more concerned about um, the nest that like I'm a caveman. I could live in a cardboard box. My wife is very patient when we we found like a, we found this balance. But like you know, the, it, it's um, it, covetousness in this culture is terrible. People, can, we just talked about how people have forsaken everything, but they care about money more than ever. That, but I I actually I care almost not at all, uh, and um, to the point of. Yeah, it's, you know, just making sure that um, you have a, a, a base, you know, I, I would teach them you know, basic financing, things like that, your checkbook, things like that. Um, not not because I was cavalier about it, but I like I just teaching. I have to force myself to teach them about money things because I don't it, it doesn't drive me mm -hmm. on any level. So I went a little bit, I love both of those, by the way. Um, I went a little bit more specific with my answer. I think a quality that I would like my kids to be able to, or to pass on to my kids, is being able to think and act clearly and decisively in times of stress and pressure. I'm able to do that quite often. The times that I'm not are some of my worst moments, but most of the time I'm able to do that and and... I think I'm a better person for that, and I think people around me are better for it as well. And I think it's important. Maybe that's a low bar because of my generation, but the number of people my age that just don't know what to do when bleep hits the fan mm -hmm. practically and just lose their mind, that's really, really high. And maybe that's, again, a low bar, but that's one quality that I think that's important that I want to be able to pass on. One thing that I would not like to be able to pass on is I will be honest with you. I have a tendency to procrastinate sometimes. 
which is why Anna is doing this segment. <laughs> I wasn't sure. But seriously, I wasn't sure if this was your. I've only smoked two briskets, not three, or if we were being set up. I wasn't no. sure, so I just sat silent for a minute. No, okay. I mean the the, the shtick about not thinking about questions. It's true, fifty about fifty percent true. There are sometimes I'm like, you know, crap. We got to do this. There are some times that I thought of them ahead of time, but um, that, I mean, that happens in other, it's like taxes, taxes this year. I do not want to do them because the last two, three years, I've just gotten drilled, absolutely drilled. Things like that. Do not put things off. It's always better. Always better mentally, always better just practically. Do not put things off. Hmm. That's good. That is Did good. you like those answers? Yeah, that was good. That was a good start. Okay. That was a good it's start. It's only going to go down from here. I was okay. just going to say that. Okay. <laughs> I started with my best one. Okay. Uh, second question. What is one of the dumbest things you have ever done? Can I start on this one? You bet. All yours. Yeah. I hope my parents aren't watching or listening right now, but uh, I you have, know they are. I have. I, I, yeah, they probably are. I had buddies over just like you would. Um, I had buddies over in high school and we would... Uh, camp out on you know the 23 various places in the 23 acres that my my parents own in uh, southern iowa and just you know spend the night get a fire going sleep in a tent something like that one evening we were having a little bit of trouble getting a fire going and so i thought it would be a really good I- idea now this is my worst moments this is probably one of them um i thought it'd be a really good idea just to pour a little gasoline on a little kindling that we had going Oh, no. And boy, howdy, did that thing just you fire take going. off. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I, I have the, the jerry can, and I was surprised. And so I whipped it up like this, and like the entire windbreak, wooded area that we were in, just bathed in fire for about <laughs> oh 30 seconds or so. It was beautiful. It was a little dangerous, though. <laughs> wow. Todd, you want to go next? <laughs> yeah. Uh, letting my wife be the one to run for school board than myself. Um, I too smarted by half in my defense, even though we're on this show again, like, and I just lectured, I didn't think we were as quite as far down the slippery slope. I did not, I was not aware of how full outwardly unapologetically pro tranny, everything that district was going to go. Uh, but it did. And it was just, I tried. They'll get the nice girl. She's she's wonderful. You'll get it. You know. Yes, everybody will know she's an Erzin and what she believes. But you, you'll get the nice person. You don't like my tone. Fine. I too much triangular. No, I should should never. I should have gone in there and win or lose, which I just burned down what needed to be burned down. So sorry, hun. Love you. You were great though. This list is long and distinguished, several of which I probably don't want to admit to my daughter. Okay. So let me, let me go with the one that, that is that, that most recently gives me the absolute most PTSD. It was a long, hard road winning the 2016 Iowa caucuses, man, on the Ted Cruz team, long, hard road. And the next day, I did something I almost never do. Never. The day after the W, Circus is leaving town. Nobody, you know, nobody's going to care about my opinion for a while anyway, because they're out of Iowa now. I turned the phone off. We still had a nighttime show back then on Salem. I turned the phone off and, you know, 
just chilled out for the day. Relaxed, played some video games, went to the gym, you know, just went to the movies. I just completely just, you know, it was a late night the previous night. You know, Ted gave that uh, now infamous, when is this going to end? Acceptance of victory speech. It was like, hey man, I got I got discounted for six months, so I'm going to stand up here. I got six months of, ba- of talk time, and I'm taking it all, okay? And so it was a late night, and then uh, I, I come in that, that evening to do the show. And I mean, I'm just, I figured this show's automatic. It's just going to be how we won, what happened, you know, so we're good. I come in and on the monitor in here, I look up on the wall and our buddy Bob Vanderplatz is on TV on CNN. Aaron's in the back room over here getting the radio show ready to go. And I'm like, what the hell's Bob on CNN for? And I turn it on and they're talking about, you know, stealing the election from Ben Carson, who Mm -hmm. campaigned in the state like literally three times in a year, campaigned like three times in a year. And two of them, I believe were book signings. Okay. And I'm like, what in the Sam Hill? And I, I mean, I called Bob up. He's like, yeah, I don't know what's going on. The, the campaign didn't tell you that that it was uh, Jake. What's his nuts uh, that we all used to think was legit, and now he's not. Jake, the guy on CNN that we thought might oh, be Tapper. Oh, Tapper. Jake Tapper. Oh, yeah. yeah, that Jake Tapper was actually on with Dana Bash reporting on Caucus Night that Glenn uh, that uh, Ben Carson was uh, going home to get clothes, which means a change of clothes. That was what he was saying. That's why he was going back home. That means he's dropping out of the race. We didn't make this up. They were reporting it. Why are you on their network? Taking the heat for their report. He had no idea. He's, at a, he's running a caucus site in Waterloo, Iowa. He doesn't know what the hell's going on, okay? Completely blew that. Completely unprepared. Took, took months and months and months. See, I still can't talk about it. Months of late nights that we worked to make this thing happen and just completely blew it up and, f- and flushed it right down the toilet to the point we had to start that campaign all over again like that win never happened and I'm still not over it and I probably never will be and so the lesson I learned don't turn your phone off don't ever take a day off ever and so I haven't since then that's the lesson I learned I'm so not ready to ask this last question. (laughs) (laughs) And Aaron knows that I just am dreading this moment so bad. Because I thought it was going to be like a little silly thing. And then it went to a serious thing. And I'm like. That escalated quickly, huh? Oh, gosh. Good thing we only have two minutes. Yes. So you guys know the game Kiss, Marry, Kill, where you like give three names. Then you have to choose which one you'll kiss, which one you'll marry, which one you'll kill. Okay. So I have Kiss, Marry, Fair Trial. Of course. After a fair trial, of course. Now you're speaking my language. Am I? Yeah. The names are, so Kiss, Marry, Kill, Kiss, Marry, Fair Trial. Freudian Slip. (laughs) Fauci, Lindsey Graham, Good Old Mayor Pete. Kiss one of them, marry one of them, fair trial yeah, one I of them. See, you're fired. You're, this is like Aaron. Aaron, you're back. Yep. I'll take one of your Mount Rushmore no. questions. We've done 15 times yeah. over this one. Yeah. I will pull up the receipt where Aaron said, this is a good question. Save this for next time. Well, no. the trial is Fauci. That's obvious. Okay. That hold. Hold. Nope. I'm holding. Nope. I don't care what the consequences <laughs> Wrong are. Wrong answer. Hold. I am, I am marrying Anthony Fauci. I think I can put him through a lot more misery that he deserves <laughs> no, than death. No, okay, ever okay. Would. All right, I like the way you're thinking on that one. Okay, but I'm still gonna go. I'm still gonna go uh, tr- trial for Fauci. All right. I guess I'd marry Lindsey Graham because he's the oldest. And so, how do I put this? Since he's as old as he is, there would probably be fewer. We know where you're going. Fewer marital demands <laughs> yeah. upon me. Let me maybe put it that way. Okay. And I guess Pete Buttigieg, I'd give him a peck on the cheek or something and then, you know, run. So that's how I would answer that, if forced to. Todd, go. 
This is like Fear Factor. This is like you yes. jump into the pile of bugs. I yes. Don't, Eat no. the roaches, Todd, and their larvae now. Uh, no. I. No. No. I'm broken. I think, I think, so my Mary is Fauci. My kiss is going to be Lindsey Graham. I just get that over with. No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, that. And then uh, fair trial will be Buttigieg. You can't answer. <laughs> you can't ask questions that violate the dude code. I That's hey, you put away. It was Aaron's idea to put. She doesn't know the dude code. She's a chick. So it's really false okay. to me, actually. Yes. So. And you said green light this thing. Hey, I want to say your your both of your reactions were like, yeah, yeah, this is a good idea. So yeah. we're hanging together. He's a victim. He's a victim here. Thank yes. you. He's a victim. Thank you. Yes. Well, that was fun. That was okay. <laughs> <laughs> I came in ready to go. I came in prepared. And we're ready to leave. <laughs> All right, we've got overtime for Blaze TV subscribers. For the rest of you, we will see you tomorrow, noon to 2 Eastern, right after Glenn Beck. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.